that's online. For the few people that are still out in the parking lot, I just want to mention that we do offer that as well. I want to thank you so much for being here. So what we're going to do now is we're going to ask you to stand up, turn around, and say hello to your neighbor, and welcome one another to the house of the Lord this morning.
so grateful. His grace is amazing. You know, I believe in prayer. I really do. And I want to invite you as a church to join me in prayer. Not only in just a few moments, but every Sunday we'll be having prayer. We'll be in Coed 106. That's under the sanctuary over here. We'd love to have you to come and help us to pray. And pray for our country, to pray for our church, and to pray one for another. But this morning, we want to pray for a couple people. I want to remember Ray Bruder and his wife, Penny. They're, both of them are going to be having surgery, one this coming week and another in a week or so. But I want to remember them in prayer. Aren't you glad that somebody prayed for you? I am. And we need to really pray for them as they're going to be going through that time. Also, I want to remember, uh, I want to read to you a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 9-6. Often we read this at Christmas, but we, we should read it all the time. Listen to these words. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Now, God's in control. He's in control of everything. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. This morning, he's the amazing counselor. You can come to him this morning. You can cry out to him like Peter said, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. But this morning, he's the Wonderful Counselor. Would you come to him this morning and cry out to him and pray to him? He will hear you and he will answer prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we want to thank you this morning that you were given to us as a child. We want to thank you that you give your son, your only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in you would not perish but have everlasting life. And, Father, we're so grateful that you're in control of all things and the government will be upon your shoulder. And, God, we want to thank you for that this morning. But, Father, we come to you and we want to thank you that you're the wonderful counselor. The Lord, that we can cast our, our good times on you, our decisions on you, our hurts on you, and that, God, that you hear and answer prayer. Not only you're the wonderful counselor, but you're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. And this morning, you're the Prince of Peace. I pray this morning that you would be with those who need peace. And God, we need peace this morning in our nation. We need peace in our churches. We need healing and help. And it can only come from you. And we ask that you bring your presence and peace to our lives. I pray for Ray and Penny. I pray for your help and healing in their lives. Lord, as they face surgeries ahead. I pray for those who are facing COVID this week and, and are home with it and recovering. I pray for help and healing for them. Father, you're the mighty God. You're the wonderful counselor this morning. Would you hear and answer prayer, Lord, according to your will, according to your purpose? And Father, we want to tell you that we love you this morning. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Sharon. Thank you so much. Once again, I really appreciate Sharon's leadership during this time, as always, with our with our music ministry. Um, in December, Southern Baptists typically will highlight Lottie Moon. Many of you know what Lottie Moon is. We've talked about that. You should know that if you're a, a part of a Southern Baptist church. But we give to international missions. And we have a family who is in on, uh, uh, I, I guess you could say, because of COVID. And they've been here for quite some time. And uh, I've asked Kyle if he would because he's living proof of how blessed and the benefits of receiving from Lottie Moon. And I've asked him if he would to speak in this service this morning before I preach. And I'm going to ask Kyle to come and, and he can talk about his family and uh, how long he's been, where he's at. And I won't get in trouble by saying things I shouldn't say. So, <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Um, it is great to be here with you. My, my family has been here in... Uh, Taylorsville for the last few months, and uh, there are not many churches open right now. Uh, it is great to be able to come every Sunday, and so I really appreciate your leadership trying to keep the doors open here. Um, it's really important that the people gather on the Lord's Day. You may or may not know, but when you give to Lottie Moon in December, you give to a large international mission board that sends people out from here all over the world, over 3,000 um, families or call them units, sometimes it's single people, but over 3,000 sent to different places where the gospel hasn't reached uh, yet and where we're looking to make disciples of people who've never heard about Jesus. And so my family is one of those families. And so I am so grateful to you. Um, my wife and kids, you guys can stick up your hands. I won't make you stand because I know you don't. Higher, stick your hand higher so we can all see. Thank you. Um, also with us this week is one of my wife's friends. She's here from Africa. And so stick your hand up as well. So she's also one of the people that you as a church, along with um, a cooperation of lots of other Southern Baptist churches, have sent out um, to the nations. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about how that directly benefits us because um, I found that most people give faithfully. They don't know how exactly, man, standing behind that's uncomfortable, huh? They don't know exactly how that benefits us. So people ask questions all the time, like, uh, do you have to pay for your own plane tickets or, you know, all these questions. So I wanted to, to give you a little bit of information. My travel, travel for our family is covered. My rent is covered where I live overseas in South Asia. Um, our children's education, whether we educate them at home like, like our family does or whether we send them to school, that's covered. Uh, our local travel, so we get a vehicle, pays for gas, pays for our, our medical is fully funded, whether it's a routine checkups or whether it's emergency care. And so you can see how wonderful it is for us as a family to be able to concentrate on the task in front of us of reaching these people and not have to worry about all these very real human needs. And that's only possible because of your faithfulness. You, you giving without even knowing who these people are you're giving to. It's very easy for me to stand here today and say thank you to your church. And uh, it's an honor. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to do that. Um, I also, along with saying thanks, would like to tell you a little bit about what we do and maybe how you can even join in with us in the task. Um, so we don't want for much where we are. Like I said, our, our needs are provided for. I mean, there are some things we miss, like um, bacon, hamburgers, bacon on hamburgers. Um, 
peanut M&Ms, people following traffic laws. There are some things that are not available where we live, um, but for the most part, we don't worry about much. And uh, so we're able to concentrate on the, the work that, that's in front of us. Now, we don't, we don't pastor a church. That was maybe a pattern long ago for, for folks to go out across the ocean and, and establish a church and pastor that until they died. That's not the work that um, our, our mission board does. Instead, what they do is they model this task from entering into a new place to leaving that place. And we see that in the work of the Apostle Paul um, as he goes into Ephesus or goes into Philippi. Sometimes it was for a very long period of time. Sometimes it was very short. But here's what he did. He went into a new place. He shared the good news of Jesus with people who hadn't heard. When people came to faith, he discipled them. Then he would plant churches amongst those people who believed and were getting discipled. He would raise up leaders from amongst that church and appoint them as leadership of that church. And then he would leave. Now, it didn't mean leave forever. Sometimes he would go back or sometimes he'd send someone or sometimes he'd write a letter. But that is the work that we do where we are and not just us. So certainly there is a part of the work where we go out personally and do that. But more importantly, we find faithful brothers and sisters in Christ where we live and we teach them how to do this. And we say, come with me. As Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And so that's what we try to do, to model this work for faithful brothers and sisters. And guess what? These people are not full-time ministers. They're not pastors. They're not missionaries. They're, they're folks just like you who know and love the Lord and say, what is God calling me to do? And so I want to challenge you this morning as well. And I want us to think about the, the last things that Jesus said in his ministry on this earth. And you guys have heard this before. I have heard the gospel every week from you. It's awesome. I love that. It's always proclaimed to you guys. And not only the gospel, but, hey, it's your responsibility. I hear Pastor Jamie saying that over and over. This is not just my job from the stage. This is your job at your work or at your house. And so we, we think about Jesus and his ministry and all the things he commanded and taught his disciples to do. I'm preaching, aren't I? Man, I, I didn't know I was going to be preaching. Sorry. But this pulpit makes you want to preach. Um, anyway, Jesus does his ministry and at the very end, he, he dies as a replacement for us, right? As a, a sacrifice for our sins. He takes our place. And then he comes back to life to prove everything he said was true. And then he gives us one final charge, one final order as he's leaving. And he basically says, this is my command for you, my commands for you until I come back. Now, Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, make sure you guys are gathering every week. Make sure you're praying and fasting. Make sure you're, you're reading your Bible all the time. And those things are all great and you should be doing those. But instead, he says, until you come back, here's what I want you to do. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That was his final order to who? To pastors? There were no pastors. Was it to missionaries? No, there were no missionaries. It was to the people who said, I want to follow you. So we read that now and we say, that applies to me, right? That's, that's my job. I'm supposed to go out and make disciples of all nations and baptize and teach them to obey Christ. And I know if you're like me, and my, my wife and I were, were physical therapists for 15 years, 
you know, and we tried to be faithful in church attendance and even teaching some. But we said, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? Where do you want me to do this at? And he said, I want you to do this in South Asia. So six years ago, that's where we went. For a majority of people here, he's going to say, I want you to do this in your neighborhood. I want, this, I want you to do this at your work. But he's calling all of us to do this task. And I know, if, if, like I said, if you're like me, you look at that and say, what a difficult task to make disciples. I mean, that seems like a pastor would do that a lot better than, than I would. But Jesus gave that authority to you. And here's what he said, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Yes, in yourself, the ability to go out and share the, the gospel with people who don't know him, that's, that's intimidating. In fact, what he's asking you to do is go out and and lead spiritually dead people to life, right? Make dead people come to life. And you can't do that, and neither can I. That's why he says, I'm with you, because he can do it through you. It's my challenge to everyone here. Where I live, in the country I live in, 76,000 people die every day. Let that sink in. A vast majority of those people will have never heard the name of Jesus. In the city that we live in, that's 55 people every day who die. Probably out of those 55, 52 of them will have never heard the gospel. So, yeah, we feel a great burden to get that message to them. Just give them a chance, right? How blessed are we to get to hear it over and over? To have churches all over the place. I mean, I... When I drive around this part of the country, I see churches everywhere. Man, how blessed are we? And so I'm going to challenge you to partner with us. Now, the, the first way you can partner is that you can be praying for us. And um, there is a, it's not up there. There's a flyer. I'm going to grab this one right here. There's one of these that was printed up. There are some of them. Are they back there? Yeah, about 140. So... On that, you will see a little bit of information on our specific place where we live and how you can be praying specifically for us. This is a spiritual battle for sure, and we covet your prayers, and they're palpable for us where we live. When people are praying for us, God moves. I'm begging you to consider praying for us regularly. Um, yeah, for our family, but, but for the work that's going on there for the faithful nationals that put their life on the line to go out and share this message. My contact information is also on there, a secure email address. Feel free to email us. We love to hear from people here. You are not bothering me ever. Even if you say, hey, can you pray for this list of things? I will. It would be my pleasure to pray for you as you pray for me. So you can pray. You can give. So the opportunity will come pretty soon in a few weeks where you'll have a specific giving for Lottie Moon. And please do give, not just for our family, but for the thousands of others who are, who are in different places around the world and for those who feel called right now, like Pastor Mark's son, who will be going pretty soon over there close to where we are. And your faithful giving will support them so they can go also. So you can, you can pray and you can give, but you can also go. This is an open invitation, and I pray that you would consider if God might be calling you to come, maybe for a short trip. I would love to host you. My family would love to host you. Where you could come and you could walk beside our national folks and you could see God move, right? This is not our work, but God is working and you can join in that 
We had a team come really quickly. We had a team come last year of four people, and they came and they walked beside our national partners. They, they shared the good news with lost folks. We had people come to faith. We saw the beginning of discipleship. We saw churches planted by a team that came for one week. I would love for you guys to get to experience that. Whether it's here in Taylorsville or whether it's some other place in the world or whether it's over there in South Asia where we are, my challenge for you is to consider where God is calling you to make disciples. And I know there is nothing more than this pastoral staff, getting to know them the little bit I have, there's nothing more that they would, would bring them joy than to walk beside you as you do that in your community. That's my challenge for you. My family will be here a little bit after the service if anybody wants to come ask questions. We're not, we're, we don't need to be quarantined because we're not even going to be here next week. So we're, we're good. So if you want to come and talk to us, feel free. Um, we're we're going to head back down to Florida where we live next week, and then we'll be headed hopefully overseas in about a month. Um, but feel free to come talk to us if you'd like to. And Pastor, I'd like to pray for your church real quick before, you. before mm-hmm. I go. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for East Taylorsville Baptist and, and for the people you've put in place for leadership. We are thankful for um, all these faithful people who, who come out when a lot of people are are afraid to leave their home, some for good reasons, but that they would come here and gather together as a body of of saints on this day. We are thankful that you have given them the courage to do that. And uh, Lord, we would pray for this church that it would fulfill the Great Commission corporately as they learn and they challenge one another and hold one another accountable, but also, Lord, that they would do it on an individual basis. Lord, that we would take our responsibility and authority Seriously. And Lord, realize that 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 is the greatest opportunity that you have given us would be to be a part of your work of redeeming lost people. Lord, I pray if there's any convicted that, that they should reach their neighbor or that they should come partner with us in South Asia, that they would, they would not just let that die, but they would pursue that and find out what you're, where you're calling them to go. Lord, I pray for this church that they would be a beacon in a community of many who still need to know who Jesus is. We ask this so Jesus' name will be lifted high here, so it will be lifted high in South Asia, and we ask this in the authority of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, church. All right, as Kyle's going down, I would just say this. Kyle, uh, I'm a good uh, judge of character. He's the real deal. So if you go overseas, okay, we, we're so thankful for this friendship that we've developed. One of our goals is to send teams, whenever everything opens up, to India to, uh, to be, come alongside Kyle and work in, in that community. You need to have a passport. You need to know how to share the gospel, Okay. Every person here should know how to share the gospel. You need to know what you believe and why you believe because if you lead somebody to the Lord or somebody's led to the Lord, you're going to go in and disciple that person, all right? So when this opens up for us to open it up to the church, four to six people, am I right, Kyle, will be, will be going. I hope we can make multiple trips to India, okay? But you need to have your passport, know the gospel. If you're over 20 years old, why do you not know the gospel? If you've been, some, I, you know, when the Lord saved me, uh, I studied the gospel uh, without end, and just so I could articulate the gospel. And there were people that I knew that had been saved 20 years that couldn't even articulate their faith. 
So know the gospel, know what you believe and why you believe it. A great opportunity not only to lead people to Christ, but also to disciple people. Uh, what God and the Southern Baptists are doing, like Kyle and his family are doing, uh, is the best way to do missions, without a doubt. You, when, you, when you tithe today, a portion of your tithe goes to Lottie Moon. When you give over and above and you earmark Lottie Moon or give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, all of that money goes to 3,000-plus missionaries. It takes care of everything they do. Southern Baptists have the greatest mission-supporting arm in the world. There's no second, close second. So aren't you thankful to be a Southern Baptist, number one? You have a tremendous opportunity to give. Please give. Uh, if you want to know how to pray for Kyle and his family, please pick up one of those um, flyers. They'll be out in the foyer. We have about 140, but please get those. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12 and stand with me. We're going to read one verse this morning. We're going to start, we leave in Romans chapter 8. The natural really flow of Romans, Paul has 9, 10, and 11 in there. It's kind of like a parenthesis, tremendous chapters. But really the natural flow would be from chapter 8 to chapter 12 based on what we studied in chapter 8. This verse today can change your life as a Christian. Listen, if you, if you, if you apply what the Apostle Paul says in this verse, it'll dramatically change your life. Kyle did it as a physical therapist. His wife did it as a physical therapist. You present yourself. That's a temple term we're going to look at in just a moment. It applies to everybody regardless of your calling. Okay, This is your calling. It's, it's necessarily, it's, it's, it's basically like a command. Paul's begging you to do this. It's life-changing. Notice what verse 1 says, Therefore, or I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now notice this, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your, look at this word, reasonable service. He's saying it's just reasonable. It makes common sense. This is what you should be doing. In my life, this makes sense. Does it make sense for a physical therapist to leave Florida or wherever he was living to go to South Asia? Kyle, you're crazy. I'm sure people said, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But to you and to God, it makes sense. You must listen to me, church. If you're watching on Facebook, regardless of what church you belong to, you must, as an individual, you must present yourself. Listen, a lot of the problems you have in your life is because you refuse to present yourself once and for all before the Lord. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord. You're writing this, chapter 12, to Christians. Lord, as a Christian, it is something that I should do. I should present myself. Lord, it is worship when I present myself to you. We can sing and we can raise our hands and we can shout and we can run the aisles or whatever. Lord, that's not worship like you're talking about here. When we present ourselves, Lord, we are worshiping you with our lives. Father, I pray that we would have many, many, many people this morning to present themselves as an act of worship before you today. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you, maybe said H.B. Charles said this on, on, on the starting of this chapter. He says, the word therefore, if you'll notice there, tells us what is about to be said is based on what has been said. Therefore, what is it therefore? Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11. Based on, on God's grace in your lives, he says, Paul confirmed 
that all people are guilty sinners in Romans chapter 1 through 11 on a collision course with the wrath of God, but sinners are declared righteous before God through faith in the blood and righteousness of Christ through the resurrection after explaining and defending this glorious doctrine for 11 chapters, the doctrine of justification by faith, Paul says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you. It's like Paul, the word beseech says, I come alongside you and I cheer you on. I'm imploring you, I'm persuading you. Brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Psalm 116, show this verse on the screen. The psalmist says this, in Psalm 116, Verses 1 through 11, he's bragging on what God did in his life. You saved me. You delivered me. You did all these things. And then he says this, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits unto me? That prayer is answered in Romans 12, 1. What do I do because God has been so good to me? I give my life as a Christian totally back to the Lord. Notice here the command, if you will. The first thing we notice, and notice on the screen, present. Look at the word. Present. Present. If you don't get one other word out of this today, get the word present. Notice the definition. It'll be on the screen. We'll kind of read it together. Present is a temple term. A Jew would understand it. It's a sacrificial term. It means to surrender up, to yield up, to offer up. That is to hold nothing back. The tense of the word means it's at a specific point in time. H.B. Charles said it's a technical temple term for offering, a sacrifice to God. The grammar indicates a decisive, once and for all, act. It is a crisis of commitment. It is a crisis of commitment. The tense that it's in, the aorist tense, which calls for a once and for all presentation, denoting a deliberate action involving the thought and finality. Once and for all. What have you ever done in your life that is once and for all? That you, you said, I'm going to do it, and I'm not looking back. Don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever been on a diet? How many of you have ever been on a diet for three weeks? How many of you have ever been on a diet for three months? How many of you have ever been on a diet for six months? How many of you are on a healthy eating lifestyle, workout lifestyle now? Probably maybe 1% of people in all the world, right? See, what you're saying is, that's not presenting yourself. When I went to the doctor probably two years ago, uh, went to the family doctor, he sent me to another doctor, and that doctor's one of these guys who I had to have in my life. He had to tell me what he thought. And he said this, he said, Jamie, he took my numbers, blood pressure, blood, all that work. He said, do you like living? I said, it's been pretty good for me so far. He says, well, why don't you tell your body? You don't live like you like living. He said, this is your numbers here. This is your numbers here. This is your numbers here. He says, what do you do for yourself? And I said, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done that. And he says, no, you're not doing it now. You know what he told me I had to do for myself and my health based on the, the profession that I'm in? You better present yourself, all right? You better present yourself to this, or you may not be here in six months. Present yourself. Stop having fad diets, and, and for your own health and your own well-being, you're going to have to do this. Case in point, dating. How many people date for three weeks and they're going to get married? I don't know how many times. You're infatuated with somebody. You're infatuated. And then in the next three weeks, you're ready to, to break up with them. Right? That's not the word present. Present says this is a once and for all act. It's almost, it's like getting married. When you get married, what you're saying is this. Till death do us part. I'm not looking back. Till death do us part. 
We're going to have this ceremony. This ring represents till death do us part. I'm married till I die, right? That's what it means to us. And I would, tell you, and I would say to spouses, you know, a lot of counseling ends up like this, especially for men. Men, look at me. When you come to me for counseling and I, and I encourage you to do something, I'm encouraging you to present yourself. Not to do things right for three weeks to get your wife back or three months. I'm, ta- I'm talking about a total lifestyle change in your life. The reason you're in my office is because you have not presented yourself. That's why you're in my office. And what a lot of men will do in Alexander County, and I've talked to a lot of you, all right, is that you'll present, you won't present yourself, you'll change yourself for three months. And then within a year, you're back to the same old person. And your marriage is going to be the same way because you've never presented yourself. And what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is if you want to be what God wants you to be, you must present yourself. It is a, it's a moment in time. It is a temple term. And it says, I'm not going back. I am not going back. This is not a fad. This is not emotionalism. This is worship to God. Have you ever presented yourself? Have you ever presented yourself? What do you need to present to the Lord? When I surrendered to ministry, the, the, the area I was working in, when I, when I quit that job, this is what I knew in my mind. I'll never have this job again, ever. I'll never have this job again. They're going to hire somebody else. They'll never hire me back. You've got to be sold out. That's what that word means. I am sold out to this, Lord. I am presenting myself to you. And what do you present? Go back to the first slide, Michael, right here. Look, present your bodies, which means two things. It means two things. You present this to the Lord, your body. You worship God with your body. You surrender to God with your body. Notice in Romans, Romans 6, notice, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not, what's the word? Present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Because you, you know what? When you, do, when you go out to sin, what you're doing is you're showing the world what and who you worship. You're presenting yourself to that act. That's what you're doing. It's a temple term. It's a temple term. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. All your members of your body. Do not present it to, for, for, for objects of unrighteousness. Notice. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteous God. Live like you're Christian, is what he's saying. Present yourself. When you sin, you're presenting yourself to that thing. He goes on to say in verse 16, it's not going to be on the screen, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you're, the, you're that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, you're going to present your body to God or the devil, one or the other. Your body, your body, your flesh, your blood, Paul speaks of this in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he says this, The will of God is your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel or body in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. So what Paul would say is this, present your body to the Lord. It's holy, right? It's a living sacrifice and it's holy. Present yourselves not as instruments of unrighteousness, but as instruments of righteousness. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, I beat my body into submission, lest in preaching to others I myself would be disqualified. You know what Paul's saying? I got a whole lot of struggles with sin, but I win it because I beat myself into submission. I'm presenting my body to him. 
Not only that, okay, God, God not only wants your body as a sacrifice offered to Him, but He wants your life. He wants your life. The word bodies there not, not only means flesh and blood, but it means your mind. Okay? It means your abilities. It means your time. Have you surrendered, surrendered your life? Have you presented your life to the Lord? Notice how Paul explains it to King Agrippa. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, which changed Paul's life forever. Paul could have been anything he wanted to be. And God made him a church planner missionary for the rest of his life. Had his head cut off, they say, probably, by Nero. That was Paul's lot in life. He presented himself. He's saying, King, I presented myself after salvation to the will of God. That's what I did. Can you honestly say that you've presented yourself to the Lord? Your life. Your life. Your job may not change when you do that. Okay? Most people's don't. God ain't called everybody to do what I do. God ain't called everybody to do what Kyle does. But he has called us to fulfill the Great Commission. Okay? Have you presented your life to him? Notice, notice Matthew, the tax collector. Notice this. And Jesus went from there, saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. You say, wow. No, there's more than wow. Tax collectors were hated. Matthew was considered what you'd call a publican, which meant he bought a tax franchise from the Romans, which meant in his area that Rome had a tax rate. And in order for Matthew to make money, he had to tax you more than Rome's tax rate because Rome got their money. And people hated tax collectors, hated them. As a matter of fact, the Talmud said if you didn't want to give, you didn't have to give. If you wanted to lie to a tax collector, it was good honorable service if you lied to a tax collector. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you what the Talmud told the Jews to do back then. Okay? And what made Matthew's situation worse is he was not a Roman, but he was a Jew. So when you see this, the Bible says Jesus went from there, he saw him, and the word saw means he looked intently into Matthew. And he saw what Matthew could be. See, when Matthew got up and followed him, he left tax collecting forever. It's not like the fishermen. Peter could go back to fishing. Matthew couldn't go back to nothing. And one scholar put it this way when he, when he said when Matthew presented himself, he said Matthew came to realize the treasure he was being offered by Jesus was a treasure far greater than all the wealth in the world. What do you need to present to the Lord today? What do you need to present? Well, what's my motivation? Notice, what's the motivation here? By the mercies of God, he says. Of all the things Paul could have mentioned from chapter 1 to chapter 11, he talks about God's mercies. Think about that for a minute. He goes on to say in Romans 15, he says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles, which is us, might glorify God for His mercy. For His mercy. Paul says, you present yourself to the Lord because of God's mercy. When we looked in Romans 1-11, through 11, the Bible says you're justified. You're dead to sin, alive to Christ. Adopted into God's family under the power of grace and not the law. Possessors of the indwelling spirit. You have peace and reconciliation with God. There's no condemnation in Christ. The promise of a future glory. No separation from God. Confidence in God's faithfulness based upon His faithfulness to Israel. And I would repeat again what Psalm 116, 12 says. In order, in view of that, what shall I render to the Lord for all of His benefits to me? Paul would say this. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, 
I was shown mercy. Mercy. That's salvation. You come spiritually bankrupt in sin, destitute, needing forgiveness, wanting heaven and not hell. You give yourself to God. You put your trust in Jesus. You turn from your sin. You receive the gift of eternal life. That's your soul being placed on the offer, altar, the innermost self of who you are. You beg God for his mercy. Notice the definition, the Hebrew term up there. God's mercy is his loving kindness, his goodness, his compassion, his favor shown toward people. When Moses said he wanted to see God, the Bible says this, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. He is a God of mercy. The Psalm 62 says, Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Psalm 105, we looked at that several times here. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Mercy, what does mercy compose of? Compassion. Notice the, notice the verses in Lamentations. I think they're going to be on the screen. Jeremiah, after Babylon came in and ransacked the city, he's sitting on a hillside probably with some of his elders, weeping probably, but he says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassion fails not, they are new every morning. So mercy involves God's compassion and God's withholding of punishment from us. That's why Paul can say in Ephesians 2, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great, great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. Jeremiah would say this, mercy is God showing great compassion on us at the deepest, darkest moments of our life. And Paul would say, it's also God not giving us what we deserve because we're sinners deserving judgment. And Paul says this, because of that, because of that, that should be your motivation. One man said this, a good way to understand the meaning of mercy is to see how it relates to grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, withheld punishment. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, unmerited favor. Mercy is like a judge finding, out, finding you guilty, but then withholding the punishment. Ezra, when the people came back from captivity, said this, What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt. And yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins have deserved. Shall we break your commands again? He's saying, in view of that mercy, are we going to break your commands again? Paul would say the motivation for presenting yourself is based on the mercy of an all-loving, all-holy God. Now notice here the third thing, and we'll close the reason. Paul says this, which is your reasonable service. It's a reasonable thing. It is reasonable to present yourself. Some translations use the word true. And what do you get from that Greek word? You get the word logical. Entirely, eminently reasonable it should happen for every person is what he's saying therefore in view of God it is a reasonable thing that you're doing if you believe the gospel after you've rejected him and God has saved you doesn't it make sense to trust him with your eternal does it make sense to trust him with your eternal soul but not your daily life it is an act of worship when you give yourself to Jesus it just makes sense it may not make sense to the world but it makes sense to you. 
When you present yourself, it's not about what other people think. It's about what does God think. When you present yourself fully to God, it makes sense to you. It's logical. It's reasonable. It is an act of worship. It's a common sense thing, is what Paul's saying. And it's happened throughout the history of Christianity all throughout the world. I want you to notice this picture. On the, look, look at this stud. Really, his name is C.T. Stud, so he's a stud. All right. His dad made his money, wealth, in India. And after he made all his wealth, he was from London, so he goes back, right? And when, when C.T.'s dad goes back, he goes to an evangelistic service. D.L. Moody from America was preaching. Now, the Londoners used to make fun of D.L. Moody's way he spoke and his education. But so many people from there were born again under D.L.'s preaching. Okay, His dad was born again. Obviously, C.T.'s dad wanted his boys to know Jesus. C.T., when he would go to church, I want to read what he said if I can find it here in my notes. He basically said this. He said whenever his dad would take him to church, he considered church just like having a bad toothache. He said, the reason is, I never met a real converted person. TC was a think, or CT was a thinker. Okay? His dad, so long for his boys to come to know Christ, when D.L. Moody would come back in and preach, his dad had influence and he would eat with the family. Over a period of time, CT gave his life to Jesus. CT was the number one cricket player in the country. Now you say cricket. Well, cricket was football back then, okay? At, at this time in his life, with his money, his wealth, and his fame, he was like LeBron James or Tom Brady at the peak of their career. And this is what C.T. Studd said. He had, to, he, had, he had a choice. Am I going to present myself or not? Okay? Am I going to present myself or not? One, one autobiographer said this. At the height of his career, he wrestled with the thought that his life was yielding little eternal value. And he sensed God's call to carry the gospel to the nations. He spent the rest of his days in China, India, and then Africa, where he eventually died. Now think about this. C.T. Studd said this after he led his first person to the Lord. He said, I, can I cannot tell you what joy it gave me to bring the first soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have tasted almost all the pleasures that this world can give, and he had. Fame, wealth, he needed for nothing. One of the most popular people in the country. Can you, can you, I can't put my, arm, my, my arms around that. But he said this, I can, I can tell you, I cannot tell you what joy it gave me to bring the first soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have tasted almost all the pleasures that this world can give. I do not suppose that there is one that I have not experienced, but I can tell you that those pleasures were as nothing compared to the joy that the saving of one soul gave me. Quote C.T. Studd. And then he said this, about people would ask him, you know, you are the most famous player here with the world, with the country's most famous sport. You had all the money you needed, but you left to go to Africa, India, and China. Gave it all up. And he says this, I do not say, he says, I do not say this to you. Do not play games or cricket or so forth. By all means, play and enjoy them, giving thanks to Jesus for them. Only take care that the games do not become an idol to you as they did to me. What good will it do anybody in the next world to have been the best player that has ever been and then think of the difference between that and winning souls for Jesus? Wow. 
Think about your life right now. Is there anything in your life that you need to present before the Lord? C.T. said, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Present. If you don't remember anything else I'll tell you today, remember the term present. It is life-changing. It changed my life. Nobody can do this for you. Nobody can beg you to do this. Paul is pleading with you to do it. Everybody's calling is different, okay? But we're all called to present ourselves to the Lord. If you want to worship God and be a worshiper, give Him your life and your body. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, Christ alone saves. Christ alone saves. Trust Christ today for salvation. The resurrected Lord alone can save you. You're a sinner before God. You can't save yourself. You're guilty before God. And God sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. He rose from the dead the third day so that you can be gloriously born again. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Christians, listen as you're praying. Present yourselves to the Lord. This is not a fad. This is not infatuation. This is not emotionalism. This is reasonable, common sense thing for you to do. No music is playing. It's during a pandemic. Give your life, give your body to the Lord. Worship Him that way. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, what one, one verse can change an entire county. Lord, I pray that as, as your people, we will worship you by giving ourselves to you. Lord, help us to present ourselves. Present ourselves before you today. Such a life-changing verse. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercies. If we truly understand the mercy you've shown us all, this would be so easy to worship you this way. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. Father, as, as we close, I want to thank you for Kyle and his family, Lord. I pray for them as they go back, go to Florida and then go to India. That, Lord, you'd continue to use them in their area to do their part to see people come to know Christ. And not only come to know Christ, but to know Christ and help others know Christ. That's discipleship. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace and the mercy that you've shown us. And in response to that, Lord, we present ourselves to you. In Christ's name I pray, and all of God's people said together once again, amen. Well, God bless you. I hope everyone has a great Sunday. We're, you're dismissed, but please use common sense.